All right, guys, we have entered the home stretch. This is likely to be our last mini sode on our first FFPC main event slow draft, unless the people demand one on our kicker and defense selection, in which case I'm going to tell you to fuck right off because we're not doing that. But we have made a good amount of picks since we last talked. I believe we last left you guys in the 13th round where we threw ADP to the wind. We said, why don't we just live a little and selected Jarek McKinnon. And uh, since then, guys, we've added four running backs and, and maybe a controversial wide receiver to our zero RB build here. Yeah, the wide receiver debate was fun. Um, definitely a little bit of a detour, a reverse detour. When we got this late, it was all running backs to close out. Detoured for one, Will Fuller. Yeah, and Gretch, I know you were, I think of us three, you were the one that were kind of most hesitant about this selection just relative to our needs with this build. Why, why don't we just talk about that there before? I mean, we can talk about the running backs, but it was obvious we were always going to grab a bunch of running backs, but not so obvious that we would add one more wide receiver here. Yeah, we, so we took seven receivers in the first 10 rounds. When we were in sort of the 8-9 range, we took our first running back, Singletary, Part of uh, our comfort doing that instead of just targeting two rookie receivers at that point was we said, you know, maybe there'll be a receiver who falls that we'd like to grab. Pete, I think on one of the earlier minisodes, you actually asked, like, who are some of the receivers we might like? It was interesting then in the 10th, we did get access to that with Claypool and we took Claypool. So then we wind up with a seventh receiver in the first 10 rounds. Um, definitely like the strength of our receivers. I don't hate the addition of Fuller, but the point that I was making or kind of trying to make and didn't know how much I believed it or felt it at the end, I was like, let's just go Fuller. That's where my heart is because I definitely wanted to just add Will Fuller. But um, I, my concern was like some of the upside of Fuller maybe was mitigated on this build in the sense that if he does sign somewhere really exciting, there's scenarios where he's like a fourth round ADP type receiver. And that's incredible. Those are really, you know, the pie in the sky scenarios. I think there are some as well where he becomes like an eighth or a ninth round type player. He joins a team late is good. We think he's very good. Say he adds, you know, uh, um, signs with the Packers and is, is playing a decent amount, but not a ton maybe right away is making some plays, but we don't really feel comfortable playing him. We wouldn't cut him because he's on the Packers. And so some of those types of scenarios where I felt like then we wind up with these eight basically uncuttable receivers because I feel like our other seven probably are close to uncuttable. Pat, you made a good point that, you know, we could, there's scenarios where we might be cutting like a, a Chase Claypool, but Garrett Wilson is going to be locked in. You know, Devonta Smith is going to be locked in long-term. Injuries happen, busts happen, things do happen. But I did feel like this was a build where, especially because we we're in July as well, a lot of these running backs are just scratch-off tickets where we're taking shots on guys. You know, we just took James White. I think it was an interesting pick. He's been really getting hammered in the news lately in terms of not necessarily being ready. At the same time, we got him in the 18th round. There's no way he goes in the 18th round if he's ready week one, right? And if he is ready week one, it's probably a pretty key part of this build. So we just took that shot. We'll probably cut him. That turns into a churn roster spot. Uh, we do have a one QB, one tight end build. We're going to probably are almost certainly going to be looking for, you know, a number two tight end in the season, you know, in the early part of the season, get a little bit of depth at the premium position. I would assume at some point be looking at QB twos, maybe not right away. Kyler with the late buy, we're just going to probably be riding Kyler for a period. But I was just sort of doing some math on the roster and saying, okay, if we have eight sort of uncuttable uh, receivers, if we do start to churn a little bit, some, some 
potential tight ends to try to hit somebody. Are we going to have enough space uh, to churn as many running backs as we want? And we do end up here with an eight running back build, but my case was basically let's take nine in July. Let's take all of these upside shots that we can all the way through the rest of the draft. We'll, we'll cut some. And also, you, you know, you can catch some receivers on waivers in season. You'll get like the, you know, the leagues where if Jahan Dotson starts slow, he gets cut, you know, and we're not going to be in a position probably to add that type of a player, but we could have thrown someone like that onto the back of this roster in season, potentially. That was another thing, you know, I was trying to think through. So just that, that balance of, I want to hit zero RB in July with volume if possible. And knowing that we're going to cut three or four of these guys in the first two weeks anyway. Yeah, I think that all makes a lot of sense. The thing with Fuller that kept drawing me to him was like, I've always been kind of like shocked, like continually shocked every year by how quickly we're bidding on wide receivers on waivers on these types of builds. Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, like Will Fuller, like if Will Fuller were to hit like a that eighth, ninth round scenario, you know, I think we'd bid pretty aggressively to get him onto this team. Um, You know, particularly if like, it's by, by like week one or two, like that type of archetype. We're like, oh my god, like this guy's available. We we need him, just because we're wrong about so much more than we think we're going to be wrong about, and there's so many injuries. So that's kind of one of the things that I was trying to think through with adding the luxury pick wide receiver. Um, is like you so know the like question. Or, good. The question I had with that was. It was funny. I brought up uh, like a faint memory I had of of. You know, doing some drafts with you last year. Obviously, I wasn't drafting with you guys the year before. You guys had a lot of Rager and Visca the year before, and you had a lot of these teams where you had a couple spots devoted to guys that you weren't cutting. And so that wasn't an experience that I was in with. And so I felt like maybe we had slightly different opinions there, you know, interestingly enough. But adding Fuller, if he does hit, what do we do then if there's a player like Fuller, like you said, or like Dotson gets cut? Do you want to add a ninth to this build? Well, my my Good. thought on that would be that once that decision comes up, that there's going to be multiple running backs we're completely content moving on from. Yeah. Because ultimately, we're just going to be churning a lot of these guys. Like even the the guys we like, Singletary, Carter, Gainwell, McKinnon. I would say. I mean, even a couple of those guys are probably going to flop in yep. in a big way. So I do think it goes back to that thing of like we like the guys we've drafted. And so it's harder for us to envision them failing. But like the reality is like a lot of these guys are going to be cuttable or at least more guys than we initially think. Definitely. But I'm, I, I'm also okay. Like bulking up the number of roster spots that we have on wide receivers to nine at some point, but that doesn't have to be like then devoted permanently to a wide receiver. Like, yeah. you know, I could see scenarios where we're like, you know, do we really want to hold Devonta Smith through his bye week? You know, if he's not really doing much, that would be a, a really disappointing scenario, but like wouldn't be the most disappointing scenario I've ever run into. So, <laughs> you know, it's sorry, sorry like for that. the bad memories on, on his <laughs> teammate, Chandler Rigger. <laughs> but, you know, you're kind of, um, I think it's okay if we go to nine, then we, then maybe at, at some point we only have six or seven, you know what I mean? Like we'll probably, we'll probably kind of squiggle around in terms of the roster. um, And I think that makes more sense in the days following when we were chatting about that in our chat, 
Um, I've definitely come back around to that. I guess my concern was, say we're at nine receivers, we're up to two tight ends. I think there's times where it can make some sense to have a second kicker or a second D, but you're, you're not going to be able to ever really do that. There could be a potential quarterback that looks like somebody we want to take a stab on. Maybe Kyler picks up a nagging injury or something, but we won't really have the flexibility, I think, without getting down to like five or four running backs. And uh, what I was thinking through with this build was, do we want to have as much roster flexibility as possible to really take shots at running back throughout the first month? You know, like seven spots devoted to it. Well, in a way, that's an argument that Fuller, I think, you know, Fuller is a much better pick, I think, for this build than Julio Jones. And I'm taking a lot of Julio in uh, in best ball. I have more Julio than Fuller. I think he's a way better pick, Fuller, than Odo Beckham. Odo Beckham, you're going to be holding for I mean, Odo Beckham's going to yeah. have waiver wires here. I don't. So, because Fuller's, a lot of the downside risk with him is stuff that we'll know about before the first preseason run. Like, if he hasn't signed by then, he's the easiest cut ever. I mean, there's a chance he, like, retires. So, we don't know what the deal is with Fuller. No one's heard from him forever. So I think like he does, I, I agree with you that like there are scenarios where he lands on like Baltimore and we're like, what do we do now? You know, like I, maybe we hold him week one, but now we lost this roster spot. You know, do we cut him? Do we lose this? We kind of got a good outcome, but we still lost a chance at like a guy like Kenyon Drake or whatever. So it's not going to be like all super clean, but I do think he gives us, some really nice upside, super clean scenarios, and some really nice clean downside scenarios where we just move on. Yeah, and the other thing that kind of really compelled me with this Will Fuller thing is almost from a portfolio standpoint and a drafting window standpoint, and just knowing that the Will Fuller stuff is like fairly binary, um, where if he signs with the Packers or the Ravens tomorrow, like this um, discount slams shut, and maybe he does get pushed up to a point where we feel there's too much opportunity cost. Like, Hey, we'd rather have Garrett Wilson than Will Fuller. And so like, this is our one chance to get a cheap share of him. Whereas I, I understand what you're saying about like the Visca, the Rager yeah. and the guys we like hammer over and over, but it does seem less likely that um, we'll be in that spot this year, just based on when um, we finally kind of get news on him that we're getting a really unique moment in time with his current value. And that was something we, we talked to as well. And and I, I put it that, that way. Like, is should we be targeting Fuller in basically every draft that we can get him at a good price? And Pat, your your argument was was like, yeah. And so that's what I was like, all right, well, I mean, maybe. I guess I don't necessarily disagree. Because if we weren't, then this is, from a portfolio perspective, this is the team that I think I wouldn't want him on. But almost any other team where we take any kind of early running back and take, you know, two before round 10, <laughs> right? We only had one before round 10 on this one. Um, it, that's That would be a scenario where I would be very comfortable adding Fuller even as the eighth receiver when, you know, say our seventh isn't Claypool, it's whoever, you know, Tim Patrick. I don't know. I, I Hopefully it's right. not Tim Patrick, but somebody like that. In I do think it – I, I do think it's close, and I, I certainly see the the merit for ripping another running back here. I do think, like, for other drafts, like we're doing a slow draft right now with some of our ship-chasing VIPs. We ended up going with an anchor RB build where we took DeAndre Swift in the early second. That kind of opened us up for, you know, targeting some more of these, you know, wide receivers a little later because we're just not going to be as strong because we use one of those early picks on a running back. So I do think kind of like the texture of our builds too will put us in different 
different spots. And I mean, comparing Fuller to like someone like Wandell, who we could have also selected in this range, I find it more unlikely that he could jump up as much as Will Fuller yeah. could jump up. And so For that's sure. why it just Fuller just seems such like a, a unique spot right here. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I do kind of feel like if Will Fuller is going to go at this price in a managed league where we get a preseason waiver wire run and <clears throat> most of the running backs are gone. I mean, I like Kenyon Drake where he went, but after we took Fuller, Kenyon Drake and Snoop Connor go, we grab Burkhead, Matt Breda goes, um, Dante Hilliard goes and we grab James White. So it's like not even a ton of running backs went off the board after we grabbed Fuller. It's like kind of done. So, you know, with that opportunity cost in FFPC, a lot, a lot of these running backs are gone by the time you even start to consider. Yeah, wide receiver Fuller is better than all of those backs. To me, it was just a question of do we want another scratch off ticket? One of the guys we talked about at White, and I don't know if we want to talk about sort of some of our independent running back decisions, but Pete brought up Samaja P. Ryan. We talked about some of the San Fran guys. Trey Sermon hasn't gone yet. Jeff Wilson hasn't gone yet. The, adding one of those guys to this build, I don't think any of those guys are like great picks. They're probably going to go undrafted. But if Joe Mixon has a preseason injury or if, you know, Tyrion Davis-Price gets really bad reports all through camp and we're like, okay, Jeff Wilson's actually going to be this number two alongside Elijah Mitchell that felt like Tyrion Davis-Price would be. Um, yeah, it was basically just hit volume at running back, right? So. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Fuller is better than all of those players, though. That's why it's sort of like kind of a hard case to make. I totally get. I know. I th as we were kind of going back and forth on on Discord, you would. I kind of felt like we were kind of going back and forth, and then once the question started to go to like, okay, but then who do we take? It was like, fuck it, let's take Fuller. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like sort that, of. Yeah. That's the thing where it's like on on underdog you know, you're having to debate whether to take Fuller and like literally your favorite of the scratch off running backs, your right. McKinnon, your Dearness Johnson, mm -hmm. your Eno Benjamin, like any of those, those guys were all long gone in this draft to where you just didn't we feel the McKinnon opportunity three cost. rounds earlier. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was literally round. just another running back that won't even get drafted. Right. Samaj right. Piran or Jeff Wilson or something. That was the, right. That was the, and we might still be able to bid on those guys if those outcomes occur. So I mean, that's they haven't I mean, been taken would, yet. We would bid on them, right? We'd probably bid yeah. pretty aggressively if those outcomes occurred. And you can tell by the you know the running backs we did end up selecting. Like there kind of was a bit of a a thematic thing to the the groupings of two here: Deontay Foreman, Jamal Williams, two running backs that we thought had really nice contingent upside in the event that something happened to Christian McCaffrey or DeAndre Swift that those guys would massively jump in value. And then our last two picks, you know, Rex Burkhead and James White, two guys that we think are kind of undervalued relative to the pass catching floor that they might be able to give us and just kind of getting different texture of running backs. I think you could also argue that Jamal Williams has a bit of a pass catching floor as well and could still have, you know, some role alongside Swift there. But any other thoughts on kind of how we rounded out our zero RB room here? Well, I mean, the McKinnon pick was like a bit off the wall in some ways because we were thinking, I think we were t talking about Foreman and Jamal Williams as two of the other guys in a group that we may have taken instead of McKinnon. Marlon Mack was a guy we discussed very seriously there as well. But to get Foreman in the 14th and then Williams in the 15th was pretty sweet. Like kind of like we got with Carter and then getting Gainwell back. 
uh, and getting two from that tier, it was pretty nice to, I felt like we got three from the following tier, McKinnon, Foreman and Williams. Um, yeah. And then basically by the time it got back to us with Fuller, I felt like we were kind of in, in sort of the next tier down. So pretty sweet to get three of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, with the values we got on Singletary, Carter, Gainwell, and then even those three, as you just described, this is a really good zero RB room in terms of the balance of floor and ceiling. I think both Carter and Gainwell, sort of the unsexy outcomes are that they are probably still catching at least some passes that we can start then. We kind of have three guys, Singletary, Carter, and Gainwell, that I'd be pretty comfortable just throwing in week one. McKinnon, Foreman, Williams, maybe uh, have too much in front of them to where we really feel comfortable week one, but certainly a lot of contingent value and, and are in good spots. And then even like to get Burkett and White, it's two more guys that we might actually feel comfortable starting week one, frankly, depending on how they're, they're <laughs> August, might be our week one starter. It might be our week one starter. Who knows? Um, but so, sort of my case in counter to that is despite this being a really good, zero RB running back room, it's still a zero RB running back room, right? And we're still looking for the breakout hits. And sometimes you just need, you know, volume. And we're going to do that still. We're still going to, I mean, we're still playing that way. We have eight running backs on this roster. It's not like we did anything different than what I'm saying. We're still going to churn. We're still going to be trying to hit on, you know, this year's whoever, you know, James Conner and Leonard Fournette were the eighth to 10th round players, maybe Singletary, maybe Carter or Gainwell has some type of upside like that. Uh, Maybe this year's Cordero Patterson, who was basically free off waivers after week one, and then was the big waiver bids in week two, where the leagues where he he stayed, you know, on waivers in some leagues through week two, and then people really bet bet on him pretty aggressively. Maybe we can find that guy, or maybe we already have that guy. Maybe that's Rex Burkhead this year. Who the fuck knows? But um, we're still going to approach it that way. Obviously, but that this just this idea that this, the running back room is where we got to find answers to support these receivers and a little bit of like, I, I totally agree that these top seven receivers, we're not going to be right on all of them. But if we're going to win a million dollars in a massive tournament, we do. There's an element of drafting like you're right too. We, we have to hope that this group of receivers does hit to a pretty strong degree, right? Yeah. yeah and the, my we, biggest yeah, thing can. that I think, and I, I brought this up on a, a few shows that I think our mistakes with zero RB builds previously was pulling out too early, you know, panicking. I remember the year Pat and I drafted Arian Foster, I want to say in the fifth or sixth round, and then he retired before the season started. (laughs) And even in previous years, that might've been taking Kareem Hunt in the the fifth or sixth round or something like that, where it's like, it, it gets scary. But what we're really looking at is like, we look at these wide receivers, Bateman, Devonta and Garrett Wilson specifically. And like, none of us would dispute kind of the upside scenarios that these guys have, even though you can poke holes and we did poke holes while we were discussing them, but you can't really question the upside scenarios. And just knowing that we're now giving ourselves our chance to hit one of these guys who could finish as a top 15 receiver with these picks. Um, And then that the difference between the Kareem Hunt, or in this case, the Eli Mitchell's, the Tony Pollard's and the Rashad Penny's isn't that different from the Singletary's, Carter's, and Gainwell's, I think is where we've really been able to build a strong team that I think is going to be able to compete right out of the gate while still giving us just massive, massive upside. For sure. I agree, yeah. I mean, it is fun to have, because you'll see some of the the wide receiver heavy builds will be like a lot of veteran guys. Uh, you know, I'm looking at six, although it's not super wide receiver heavy, but he picked five wide receivers in a row. 
in the middle rounds when Judy Thielen, Drake London, Renfro, Olave, he kind of got like a mix of like kind of solid veteran starters and upside shots. But like when you're taking as many as we did, we just took upside shots. Like I guess Claypool is like sort of a veteran, but like I think, you know, we're kind of looking for him to be a breakout and potentially somewhat of a new role. Um, and then like a couple superstars, hopefully, in, in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. So uh, I think that's like another fun thing about this team is that we all – we just swung for the fences with all the wide receiver picks. We weren't worrying about, right. you know, how do we plug in production. And and I I, I really am in the last couple of days have gotten a lot more – since our initial talk, a lot more comfortable and totally on board with the fuller pick. I'm totally fine with it. But just to circle back to that, I think though, or like to put a bow on sort of what I was thinking, I think the way that I was thinking through that was these upside scenarios where we took these big swings. But for this team to be good, obviously, we need Marquise Brown or Bateman to be this year's cup or chase in the fourth, fifth rounds. Like we, we have to have the hit right from this wide receiver room if brown bateman devonta if garrett wilson we need him to be this year's you know justin jefferson from two years ago if those guys all aren't hitting in a way that we're then you know seriously considered playing will fuller as an every week starter this team's probably just hoping to win its league which is not like a horrible thing right but we to a certain degree need to assume that Marquise Brown is this year's Cooper Cup, you know, where he's got the new quarterback and everything goes awesome for him, right? And he's a superstar. Uh, Garrett Wilson is this year's Justin Jefferson, whatever it is. We have a lot of big swings there. And I kind of want to just be like, yeah, we're going to play Chase every week. He's already going to have to be a hit. Um, You know, maybe both Chase and Higgins don't hit. And there was some, you know, some stuff that we talked about with them when we took both the guys from the same team. But one of Brown or Bateman or Devonta or Garrett Wilson, at least one, probably hopefully yeah. two, yeah. have to be every week starters for us. But I mean, you, but you know, I agree with you. But also, like we could, this team could hit on Chase, Pitts, Brown, Kyler, Garrett Wilson, and Fuller, and be yeah. incredible. I mean, you know what I mean? Like we right. could, right. we could whiff on a bunch of the early Higgins and like Singletary, Bateman, right? Singletary stuff. could be a star, right? Singletary, Singletary could be a star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this team would be incredible. You're absolutely right. There's there are scenarios where I was maybe a little bit too thinking like I was right with wide receiver. It's really interesting to think about that, like all the contingency based stuff. I'm actually working on an article of ceiling signals that's going to be out eventually. That is like about how contingency based fantasy football has become. I think it really has become a lot more contingency based. It's always been contingency based, but um, I think you're right that there are still scenarios that that we were really happy that we have Fuller there. And like to even just to make like a subtle distinction of like not necessarily needing Garrett Wilson to be this year's Justin Jefferson, but like, could he be this year's Jalen Waddle, who was a guy that it wasn't like Jalen Waddle was putting up 40 point weeks, but he had such a massive target floor in just consistent production that where that the edge really compounds too is when we hit the bye weeks and when other teams have injuries and we're slotting in a 15 point floor at at wide receiver because we hit on this year's Jalen Waddle. I mean, it's so hard for the league to kind of keep up with that, you know, just relentless assault of, of production from our wide receivers. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, this was a, a fun first draft. It got me, um, and this was a good discussion on the Fuller pick too, because it, I think I needed a little, a little bit of a refresher, a little bit of a reminder from both you guys about the value of that. Like, I, I, I'm, I mean, about I'm stoked about this receiver room. I'm glad we added Fuller. I'm glad that we have all eight guys 
rather rather than just starting stopping at seven and having another scratch off running back. I really am. Yeah, and it, I do think it this, if anything, to me, like, and I, I mentioned this uh, to Davis earlier that it does just feel everywhere. Whether it's Scott Fishbowl, obviously underdog, FAPC, these rooms are just that the nails and the screws are just getting turned a little tighter. They're just getting a little harder to navigate. These you're not able to get all of your targets, and so what does that say to me? Like, we really have to lean into structure even more. And I would say this is like my ideal quintessential structure where it's a true zero RB build. We are dominating people obviously at wide receiver, but also at the onesies getting that elite tight end and that elite quarterback. And I do really feel like this is how you execute a build like this. And I I think we did, we did well here for our first draft, even if we didn't get every single specific player that we wanted. One thing I'll note is, you know, the fuller pick I think was kind of our luxury pick which includes a tight end too, which includes like an upside shot on like Deshaun Watson or something like we, so we, we finished this with one quarterback, one tight end. Um, I, I think if we hadn't taken fuller, I would have been somewhat interested, although I don't think we would have had to, but somewhat interested in taking like, you know, a Brevin Jordan, um, Watson upside swing, probably pretty smart, although it's not the most appealing thing you can do, but, um, That'll probably end up being a smart move for this guy who took Watson and Daniel Jones to close it out. But yeah, uh, I it, it just felt like with where we were with running back, pushing it so far and like a, a true zero running back build that we didn't really have another luxury pick besides Fuller to go to get away from running back late. And that was another, you know, ultimately point that we got around to in our discussion was, when we start talking about a tight end two or whatever, I, I that made me more comfortable with Fuller because I, I think for me it was not about not taking Fuller. It was it was about taking all running backs the rest of the way. It would have been a pretty aggressive line to take at running back, but um, Fuller was clearly the pick for me when we started saying, okay, well, what about taking a, a second tight end or whatever? I was like, well, if we're gonna take one one detour, it should be Fuller, which yeah. He's a he's a big pick there. When you're talking about Brevin Jordan, when you're talking about Kenyon yeah. Drake, when you're talking about those options, like Fuller could be could be a big addition. For sure. Yeah, I mean, was there any other thing like just more trends with the draft room? Anything you guys um noticed it did feel like there are kind of certain trends with a lot of the drafters of course liking to get their tight end too. You can kind of see on the board here between, you know, rounds 10 to 14, most drafters got their second tight end. We know we've already hit on the trend that kind of the premium zero RB guys, you know, all come off the board in the sixth and seventh round, you know, drafters still really like those guys. Um, Kind of any other macro trends that you guys think might inform how we think about our drafts going forward. Something we talked hit on a little bit, but when Chris Evans went and then we went McKinnon sort of as a result that when, especially in July, when you get into the 12th, 13th round, and you're especially if you're doing a zero RB or an anchor RB or whatever, you're starting to hit running backs. ADP kind of went out the window in this draft more than I've seen anywhere else. We talked about some of them being preferred. Um, right when you brought up Eno Benjamin, you know, and we were excited about potentially taking him. I think I said, How do we ensure we do that? Do we get him in the 15th when he comes back around? His ADP was after the 16th, and then he goes at the 14 15 turn before we even get a shot to discuss whether we would reach a full round to take him in the 15th. Um, and he's, he's rising a little bit right now. And 
Uh, he went pretty high in my Scott Fishbowl draft just today as well, which I was annoyed about. But uh, some of those types of guys, you know, McKinnon, Chris Evans, some of them are going to go a lot higher in certain rooms. And so you have to think through that. Do you want to get specific guys with your build? You might have to pay up for them. And then are you willing to sort of just let the room dictate some of your zero RB targets as well? I think to a degree you should be, but also that there are some that are not good targets, frankly. I think we did a good job of still getting pretty good targets despite mostly letting the room dictate. You know, Pat, you talked about even with Jamal Williams falling later, but obviously in the earlier shows, Singletary, Carter, Gainwell were all ones that fell. We got It kind of played out well for us because those are guys that we do like. Then we did take a couple of the reaches as well, McKinnon, Foreman, but you're going to kind of have to balance whether you're putting your stamp down. Hey, there's no real value here that I like. Okay, I'm going to put my stamp down on a guy I do like. That's what we did when we took McKinnon versus – okay, there is a guy at value that I could see adding to this build and hoping that some of the other ones come back around. Yeah, and we also were in a spot like that, like in the ninth, you know, uh, after we take Singletary, Patterson, Rojo, James Cook, Alexander Madison, Ramondre Stevenson all go off. So we, we take Garrett Wilson, which I think was a great pick. And then after that, only Rashad White and Melvin Gordon go off. Uh and we kind of we took Claypool and ended up getting one of the last of the the following tier in in Carter. But yeah, I think kind of being flexible to to those runs um, and just like like positioning yourself like okay, I'm in the end of a pocket, the beginning of a pocket. Uh, but we also you know push this pretty far in terms of the the zero running back structure, probably further than we will in most of the drafts later this year. I think one of the reasons to do that is that like. We'll probably get some clarity on Devin Singletary versus James Cook in the next few weeks to a month. So my guess is that one of those two will move up by a round and a half and the other will fall, but not like a ton. And then like, so some of like basically a million situations like that where like these uncertain backfields where like you could see McKinnon being like a 10th round pick pretty easily, you know, Gainwell could any of these guys. And in general, I think, the whole running back cohort will probably move up a bit. You know, yeah. this is yeah. something we've seen time and time again. It's like once there start to be a little bit more certainty about some of these running back situations and who the upside shots really are, then there gets a lot of steam behind those guys. So you need to be able to to hit. You need to be able to get two of the guys from the Carter Gainwell tier, tier ideally three of the guys from the following tier you know, a, a follower like Singletary, like that's how this build actually does still have a ton of upside at the running back position. It's a lot tougher when all those dudes are going like, you know, 10 picks earlier. Yeah. And the other thing that I think I've gotten better about just now doing way more drafts than I ever have is really internalizing this idea of humility-based drafting. And one thing that happens when you end up with the same guys over and over and you're kind of reaching slightly to ensure you get your guys is you're not acknowledging that they probably exist in a tier and there's comparable players there. And by just being a little bit more of a value hound, it's like, yes, we wanted Gabriel Davis over Rashad Bateman, but we both have those guys in a similar tier and there's going to be spots where Gabe Davis falls to us. And so I just think this leads us to really natural diversification by being patient in our drafts and being really price sensitive. And 
we're still getting guys within that tier. Did we prefer Henderson to Michael Carter? Yes. But can any of us really make a super strong case that he's in a different tier as like a contingent based running back? Probably not. And so that's why I just kind of like how this has really played out. And I do, I do think we caught like the tail end of tiers like really well at multiple spots in this draft. And it's going to lead us to different players that we're not necessarily always on, but that are likely the same probabilistic bet as some of our favorites in those same ranges. Yeah. 2020 Pat would have been pounding the table for Rashad white at uh, the nine Oh five. Cause I'm yeah. like, he's not going to come back. And it's like, yeah. guess what? He didn't come back, but we got chase Claypool, which is a sweet value in the 10th round. And we got Garrett Wilson, who has a ton of upside, I think is completely mispriced at the moment. And then we ended up getting really, really nice contingency and, you know, some standalone value, just a, a nice group of running backs later on to close it out. So, like, this team will probably be totally fine without Rashad White. And also, Rashad White might be a nothing burger. <laughs> he might not do anything this year. I'll push back on this a little bit. I think you guys have put this really well, and it worked out very well in this draft. And it, it's probably the smart way to do it when you're drafting a lot of teams. But Rashad White might also be the player you needed. And I think this is going to be – Wilson could be too. I You said 2020, Pat. Like, I – 2022 Ben still wants to make those reaches like very, very frequently. So I'm okay. I'm okay with make it like if it wasn't, let's say uh, Olave was there and not Wilson got taken and you know, I don't know. It was like Christian Kirk. Are we going to take Christian Kirk? Then 2022 Pat's probably pounding the table still for, yeah, for Rashad White. Like let's get that upside swing, you know? Yeah. Um, We still got a really nice pick. pick, but. Yeah, we still got a really nice pick with Garrett Wilson there that there wasn't really a need to pound the table for White in that spot. Yeah. And yeah. um it's gonna be interesting just so you guys know we are yeah, we we have a couple more slow drafts on tap. We have one ongoing with some of our VIPs, another slow draft that will probably kick off more beginning of August. And then we've been finalizing our full main event draft schedule. Um, the majority of those going to be live streamed on the channel on Wednesday and Thursday nights throughout mid to end of August. And then we're also going to be drafting a few teams out in Vegas. But um, I, I just absolutely love this. I, this time of the year, I get so geeked up. It's so fun. I love getting to draft in these different pockets, slow drafts with you guys, slow drafts with our VIPs, fast drafts on streams with our friends. We get like all these different textures, different ideas, different times within the drafting window. It really is a blast. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, can't wait. So we appreciate you guys uh, tuning into these, uh, especially the the VIPs who have had access to the YouTube version of these. Uh, one of our fun kind of uh, pieces of content to do every year these these mini sods. So if you guys have any other feedback for us or stuff you'd like to see, definitely drop us a line. We always love hearing from you guys. And uh, and yeah, buckle up for August. We're going to be ripping a ton of drafts here. We're going to be posting a schedule here shortly as well, so you can keep tabs on it. We'd love to have you guys come join us in the Discord if you'd like to become YouTube members. But otherwise, that is our first FFPC main event draft in the book. So for Pat, for Gretch, I'm Pete. We'll see you pissing yellow.